Well, now it's just after quarter to four. Maps come in all shapes and sizes and serve many different purposes. And if you're a driver, it's likely that even if you have no other sort of map, you'll have a dog-eared road atlas somewhere in your car. Well, now on Radio 4, Mike Parker continues his exploration of modern cartography by hitting the road to investigate what effect the humble motoring atlas has had on our appreciation of good map-making. I just find where we are on the map. Just navigating us north on the M1 here, using a road atlas. Uh, and it might be complete snobbery, but of course uh, I don't like using sat-navs, to be honest. I find that they just reduce the countryside to, to the next mile of, you know, contraflow and hold-up and petrol station. It's, it's a country reduced to its least appealing attributes, really. But saying that, a road atlas doesn't do much else either. Uh, but ever since we've had road maps, bit by bit the roads have taken over all the other features. They've become more and more emphasised at the expense of the railways and the, the hills and the, the old historical features. They've all gone from the map now. It does make me wonder that when we think of the map of Britain now, do we think of the whole of the body of Britain, the whole of the shape of our, our island? Or do we just think of the country as a, a series of clogged arteries and veins, you know, the motorways and the trunk roads? Is that how road mapping has made us look at our country? And I'm not alone in my mistrust of road maps. Joe Moran, cultural historian and author of the book On Roads, is similarly wary. I think it's partly just that they're neither one thing nor the other, really. I mean, you can get maps that are kind of beautiful abstractions, like the, like the famous tube map, the Harry Beck tube map, which doesn't really bear any relation to the sort of overground reality. So it's very sort of abstracted, like a diagram. And then you can get sort of um, maps that are beautiful just because of the detail they give you, like the sort of OS Explorer maps. And I think uh -huh. it's partly that the road maps are kind of neither one thing nor the other. They're not a kind of accurate representation of reality, but they, they're, they're not a kind of beautiful abstraction either. They're just a kind of mess of uh, roads, really. The earliest motoring maps, they would have looked quite like the Ordnance Survey maps. They wouldn't actually have looked very different from other maps. Um, they would have had a lot of the detail that you you expect to find on OS maps today about, about contours and spot heights and uh, kind of points of interest and things like that. Um, really for two reasons. What, one, one was that... Um, the, the earliest motorists were sightseers, you know, there wasn't, they didn't really have commuting by car, it was a kind of rich man's, or well, it was usually a man, it was a kind of rich man's hobby, so it would have been for sort of Sunday driving, and yeah. they, would, they, want, they wanted to basically explore the countryside. Um, they also needed contours on it, because the, the earliest cars um, weren't very good at going up hills, so they would need <laughs> to know if there was a very steep road, so they could avoid that road. To me, no one has ever shown hills and heights better than the great Edinburgh cartographers Bartholomews, whose blue-covered maps filled many a car glove box in those heady early days of motoring. They pioneered colour shading for heights, from green in the vales and valleys, through deepening shades of brown as the hills got higher, and finally up into the purple and snowy white of the highest peaks. This is actually a Bartholomew concert motoring map of the British Isles for 1913. Chris Fleet is Deputy Map Curator at the National Library of Scotland in Edinburgh, home of the Bartholomew Archive. 
I think um, uh, one of the immediate things I, f- I find amusing is the difficulty of unfolding something that's uh, certainly well over a yard square. Um, that's true, yes, in your passenger seat. You'd be, <laughs> you'd be taking the driver's eyes out, wouldn't you, trying to get this unwrapped? It's <laughs> uh, different style of motoring, uh, different period. A uh, period when uh, relief was arguably more important in terms of um, travel than it is today, and therefore Bartholomew were able to exploit their layer colouring to give a very nice set of brown hues to show the, the approximate bits that go up and down in Great Britain rather than the bits that just sail along. And, of course, a much more limited road network uh, is very much the earliest road mapping for the whole of Great Britain. Bartholomew posters from the 20s are pretty similar to the pictures the artist Ellis Martin was producing at the time for Ordnance Survey map covers. Pipe-smoking chaps actively enjoying their maps as they hike, cycle or motor amongst heather-clad hillsides. And it nearly always was just the chaps. But in the early 30s, Bartholomew's hit a financial crisis and, perhaps in a bid, to save themselves from collapse. They became bolder and more experimental in their advertising. Carla Baker is the Bartholomew Archive Assistant at the National Library of Scotland. One of the items in the archive is a series of adverts which seem, well, frankly, bizarre. It's night, right? There's, a, there's this couple who have set up a tent. There's a couple of oil lamps. They're looking at a map in front of the tent by oil lamp. Behind them is a car with the headlights full on so they can sort of see what they're doing. And then they've got a slogan at the top, tomorrow is another day. Plan it in advance with your Bartholomew. There's something really... Well, something slightly creepy about it. Am I being unfair? I love them. Do you? I do. I love the mystery. I love the the story that you can imagine has has brought these people together and why you are such a romantic (laughs) isn't it it's it's them too isn't it sitting there lost in the countryside look at his moustache how could you not love it and his beautiful hair he's gorgeous (laughs) but it's so different and I think in the broader context different from what anyone else was doing or were thinking of doing as well so this next one is this the same couple yes Mr Brillantine and his long-suffering lady friend. <laughs> she looks really hacked off, to be honest, isn't she? All right, but at least she's looking at the map. You know, at least she's risen to the, this position of actually being able to look at it. It's a big stride forward for womankind. We're on a service station on the M40 at the moment, and I've got a road atlas, an AA road atlas, I think it is, and the Ordnance Survey of the local area. And if I just look at the difference between them, my Lord, it's a huge difference. On the AA road map, we've got the fact that there's a Burger King here. That's prominently marked. Um, there's no sense of topography or landscape on it at all, really. This is just a landscape to speed through. Whereas you look at the OS for exactly the same bit of the country, and that looks like a landscape you'd want to explore. There's all sorts of intriguing little names. There's a Roman Road, Aikman Street, just down the way. Villages called things like Weston on the Green and Bletchingdon. All inviting you to go and have a little look, really. Um, I think that's the difference. An Ordnance Survey is a 
start of an adventure, a roadmap. They're just all destination and no journey. Well, I guess it's time that somebody came to the defence of the road atlases that I'm maligning. And since it was an AA map that I've compared so unfavourably with an Ordnance Survey, I thought it was only fair to give Dave Arnold, AA's Mapping Services Manager, the right of reply. It's very easy just to throw as much extra information on as possible, but it's also important for us to make sure that the, the, the data doesn't clutter, that it doesn't overlap, and that it's very clear to see for the motorist. So, for example, we wouldn't include things like woodland, because that's not necessarily of interest to the motorist, but we would include things like um, a tourist centre in the middle of woodland, if that was a place to go. We will also include other things that um, will be of interest, maybe if you're getting out of your car, so you'll see on most of our atlases we have a range of sort of um, places of interest, and then once you sort of get into the national park areas, we show those in a bit of detail with the, with the lakes and the caves and so on. So we do try to, to add that as well, but clearly we can't include... Um, every footpath that's, that's available, for example, across the Lake District because it would clutter and there are other people who do that much better than we can and, and so therefore we, we gear towards the, the need of the motorist. But even road atlases are threatened. <laughs> no prizes for guessing why. Drive 0.5 miles, then turn left. Yes, I've borrowed a sat-nav just for the purposes of this programme, I can assure you. In point three miles, turn left. And if road atlases give us a, a very specific and solely functional kind of map, Joe Moran believes that sat-navs give us an even narrower view of the world. Turn left. Oh, shut up. He just sort of cuts you off from, from the... It just Basically, you just have this little square of reality that you're aware of, I suppose. So you don't necessarily need to the, remember the route or even think about it as a route. You just sort of know where you are at a particular point. All you get, really, is the lines and, you know, possibly a logo for IKEA and KFC and the, the motorway service stations, the things that you might encounter on the road, but it's nothing yeah. else, really. It just kind of looks very kind of unappealing. So, are we a nation that's lost its ability to read maps, even road maps, and which now depends entirely on the nagging of a sat-nav to tell us which way to go? I've pulled into a motorway services on the M40 to canvas a few opinions. You use a map to come here, have you? Um, no. no, no, we haven't, to be honest with you. We're it's, just... We're sat-nav people. That's, yeah. that's all right. <laughs> they're counted maps. They're counted maps. Yeah. Are you enthusiastic converts to the, to the sat-nav? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are occasions where you have to combine it with a map because um, it might take you slightly off the wrong track. The only bad thing about it is I don't tend to remember the way that I've gone because if I'm following a sat-nav, I won't necessarily look at all the roads that I'm going on. I'm a motorcyclist, so um, using a sat-nav is a damn sight easier than reading a map. Uh, are you using a map or sat-nav? Sat-nav. You're, you're on I'm a sat-nav, sat yeah? yeah. So you're, you're quite an enthusiastic convert to the sat-nav, yes, are you? Yes, absolutely. It's not so dangerous when you're looking at a map and you're trying to find your way. If you're driving on your own, you mean? Yeah. We're using a gentleman's knowledge of the roads. Right, well, that comes second to none, I think. <laughs> yes, all right. And Better than any sat-nav. So he thinks, anyway, yeah. And while I was chatting to people, I couldn't resist trying a little experiment to see whether all these sat-nav users had a sense of where they actually were on the map. So, on a blank outline of the British Isles, I asked them to show me. OK, there's a, there's a pen... There's an outline map of Britain. So, well, London's about there, so we must be sort of about here-ish. What would you oh, say? See, I don't think we're that far north. Okay, you, you marked on your. I think we're your... probably more here. Uh, a bit here. Lovely. 
probably nowhere near there. Well, <laughs> well, it's not bad. It's, uh, that's about. Uh, it's probably about Birmingham, really. We're about down here, actually. I would say we're probably about here. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, we're um, just about there. I'd say that was almost bang on, if not exceedingly <laughs> bang on. Well, I've got to confess, I was a little bit surprised by how good people's geography was. Everybody we stopped had a pretty good sense of where we were. I think the worst one was a fellow who uh, stuck us somewhere in about Shropshire. Apart from that, everyone seemed to have a pretty good idea. Um, even the sat-nav users. OK, I've been forced to confront and shed a few of my prejudices about that dog-eared road atlas that rides around in my car, just as it does in most people's. But I still think it's in a different league to those gorgeous Bartholomew maps from the early days of motoring. Those are art and poetry in cartographic form. I'll never want to stick a page of a road atlas, or even worse, a printout from a sat-nav on my wall. And in Edinburgh, at the Bartholomew Archive, I've definitely found a friend in Carla Baker. The colours are still so vivid. Mm. And as a map, you probably could take it out and still use it, yes. you know, more or less, to get an idea of the landscape and the topography. But they really stand out as things as as cliched as it is as, as beautiful works of art mm. as well as being something really functional because the aesthetic mattered to them and it was important to them I, I believe to engage people with the maps and to ensure that when people were using them or thinking about buying them they were using a product which was of the highest possible quality On the Map was presented by Mike Parker The series is produced in Wales by Jeremy Grange